Well, amen. Thank you. Let me ask you a question. According to Ephesians 5, which you read as a response of reading, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. Who's the audience? Yeah. You're not singing to me. You're not singing to each other. We're singing to the Lord. Right? When I was in pulpit speech, we had to memorize these ten laws of the effective speaker. And number one says, consider your audience. When you sing, you need to consider your audience. We're singing to the Lord, aren't we? What better recipient of our praise who is only worthy? Take your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Title this morning's uh, New Man and His New Priorities. I am going to answer the questions about forgiveness. I'm just not going to do that today. I want to, I want to keep going. I will do that soon. Um, as we met with the elders, we came up with about four that would basically cover the questions about that we would have about, then we've heard from you, uh, about forgiveness when it applies, how do we do it, what happens if, um, the forgiving of self, we talked a little bit about Wednesday night, and we'll get there, I promise. We've been looking at this issue for several weeks now, beginning in chapter 3 of The New Man. And this new man has first to put to death things in his life. Beginning in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. Did you notice in the text that we read as a response of reading, which was Ephesians, what? Uh, Ephesians 5. If you'll go there with me real quick. Ephesians 5. Look at verse 7. Therefore do not be become partners with them. Talking about those that are previous word, uh, verse of uh, deceived with empty words which are the wrath of God and the sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't become partners with them, the sons of disobedience. For at one time, you were, what? Darkness. There's a, isn't there a word missing? No. No. You would think so. I mean, there's other places that says that we're in darkness. That's not what that text says. It says, you were darkness. We contribute to the darkness of this world. Part of it's on us. Yeah, we live that way. 
But we're to put that off back into our text. We understand that around count of these, the wrath of God is coming in verse 6. And these we too once walked when you were living in them. Yeah, we lived in them. We walk in darkness. We were a part of darkness. But now you must put them all away. Wrath, anger and wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. The list was longer in the Ephesians text, which is the parallel text. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Therefore, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, however you pronounce this word, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in and all, meaning in verse 11, not here. Yeah. Those may be titles out there, but in here, we're all one. We're one in Christ. I don't care to cover your skin. I don't care where you came from. I don't care about your nationality. All that's done away with in here because we're all in Christ. Put on then, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on these compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, not only as a pattern of how the Lord has forgiven you, that we forgive like He forgave, but we forgive because He forgave us. He's not only the pattern, but the reason that we forgive. So you also must forgive. It's an imperative. It's a call upon all of our lives. And of course, we always, always, I don't care what we're talking about, we always look for the exception, don't we? It's not just kids that do that. We as adults made an art out of it. We always look for the exception. Well, forgive if. I can forgive if. And, and in reality, when you're talking about forgiveness between Two individuals, no, forgiveness cannot be issued until forgiveness is sought and forgiveness is done, until confess our sins to one another, right? Right? But I'm not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about your relationship with the Lord and your hard attitude to the Lord is always one of forgiveness, that you would always extend forgiveness. It's hard. Verse 14, here's where we are, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Does it sound familiar? According to Ephesians 5. And whatever you do in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Father, we ask Your blessings now upon the Word. Help me to say the things I should say. Help me not to say the things I shouldn't say. And Father, I pray that it would pierce upon our heart the Word. Father, You promised You'd meet with us. Your Spirit is here, the author of the book. The majority of us would sit here today as your children. Father, we pray for a spirit that they would teach and be learn, learn and 
and become more like you. And for Father, that one here or many that here do not know you as Lord and Savior and treasure of their life, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Because the wrath of God still is upon them. So Father, do a work of grace that only you can do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Remember the old man, right? Some of you were saved at a young age. Some of you are, are saved a, a, a later in life. And your list of sins is great. And it's there. And, and you're, Listen, I think you're more thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord than somebody that's saved at the age of seven. I know you are. You, you've understood what your life was without Christ. You, you suffered the consequences of it. You still got the scars of it. And realize God's forgiven you of all of your sins. You'll stand, not stand before Him for a single sin. Righteous we stand before Him. We still have this incarcerated in this old flesh. This old self, or as it puts it in verse 9, put off the old self. It still has its lust and its desires. 1 John 2 talks about the passions of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the thing is, for us as Christians, we get comfortable in our sin. There's some sins we're glad to get rid of. We're glad that they're gone. We're, they're glad, I'm glad that, I think we're more glad that the consequences are gone. That the slate's clean. Okay. But we can become comfortable. In our flesh. At conversion we get a, a new self according to Colossians 3.10. And we begin this process of sanctification. It is a process. According to Ephesians 4 verses 20 through 24. It is a process. You're not immediately look like Christ at your conversion. You realize there's work to be done. And every day you get up... And you go to war against yourself more than any other person. And we put these things to death. Verses 5 through verse 10, it talks about put to death and put them all away and putting off. And then it reminds us of putting on. Turn back to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. Romans 6, beginning in verse 15. What then are we to sin because we are now under the law? Not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know if you are a present, you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one in whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin has become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you have been committed, and having been set free from sin having now become slaves of righteousness. You just change owners. You don't stand before God. This is Armenian thinking. You don't stand before God neutral and God says you to hell and you to heaven. All of humanity is going to hell and in His grace He saves some. And we just change masters. We become now slaves of righteousness. And I'm speaking in human terms, verse 19. 
of the natural limitations, but just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurities and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to, there's our word, sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were freed in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you were now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become, here's another one, slaves of God. I've got a new master. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's end to eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're in this battle. It's a war we're fighting every day against this old self. Romans 6 and verse 6, you don't have to turn back to it if you're still there. Verse 6, we know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Yeah, we've been set free. But verse 12 reminds us that let not, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal flesh to make you obey its passions. But I'm afraid all of us have our pet sins. We, we keep them in our closet. And I don't know if it's anger or wrath or lust, whatever it is. We hide our sins. We allow them to stay in the house. Think of, I heard this illustration this week from Rosaria Butterfield. Think of your house and, and you set up an alarm system to keep thieves out. But what about the one in the closet? You better have, you better have plans for the one that's in the closet. It's a good illustration. We allow them to stay in the house. We're not quite ready to do away with them yet. It still appeals to my flesh. We hate it when they come out. We do. We do hate our sin. We just don't, we don't love it enough to stab it in the heart. We don't hate it enough to stab it in the heart. Let me say. We love it enough not to. We don't, we, don't, we don't like them. But we nurture them. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus says, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. And we keep things around that remind us of our former life. And I mean, we're not, we're not participating, Pastor. But we're looking. Right? We don't go to war with them. Forgiveness is one of those that we keep in our closet. Or unforgiveness. We bring it out sometimes when it's to our advantage to hang it over somebody's head. We fail to liken it into sin. Turn to James 1 just a moment. 
And I'm going to stir the pot today. And I'm going to stir it in such that I'm going to say the elder is going to have to work this out. James 1, beginning in verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. Each man is tempted, and you would think, if you've never read that verse, he's tempted by the devil. That's who tempts me. No, that's not what it says. When he's tempted, he's lured away in a tithed how? By his own desires. And desires, when they conceive, give forth birth to sin, and sin, when it's grown full grown, brings forth death. Here's the question that I, I want, as the elders, I want us to work out. Here's the question. When is it sin? Is it sin in the closet? Or is it only sin if we act upon it? Through the, we are in the middle of foolishness in our world. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. They say men can have babies and we, don't, we can't gender anybody any longer. and It's just ridiculous. But even in Christian circles, there's this issue that you can have same-sex attraction and that's your, that's your designer lust, that's your, Larry Butterfield called it, your fingerprint. And as long as you keep it in the closet, it's not sin. When is it sin? Now I'll tell you what I think, and then I may have to get up in a few weeks after we talk to the elders and reverse myself. I think it's sin inside in your closet. Why do you say that? Alan reminded me of verse. He who looks at a woman to lust, that's he ain't touched her. He hasn't touched her. Well, Pastor, I just harbor the unforgiveness in my heart. I don't act upon it. It's still sin. Yeah. I haven't sold anything that I want to. It's that's a sin. And that's what you got to go after. We're going. We're going after. We're, we're going after. If it, you can think of it, my, my dad in his garden. My, my dad could not stand grass in his garden. Bless his heart. And, and I think the Lord had me come along later in life to pick the grass out of the garden. So that was my full thing. And and, and he would make sure he would say this: Don't just break it off at the top of the soil. <laughs> doesn't do me any good if you just break it off at the top of the soil. Well, you can't see it. But it's still there, right? And we're good at breaking it off at the top of the soil, aren't we? Can't see it. Still there. Root's still there. And it's only a matter of time till water gets it, something's going to get it, and it comes to full volition again. 
We've got to go to war, folks. We've got to go to war with our own flesh. Colossians 3 verse 5 calls it evil desires. It doesn't say evil actions. It even calls it evil desires of the heart. Jim Berg called it designer lust. Again, Rosaria Butterfield calls it your fingerprints. That's true. We do sit here as individuals with these little pet things and what, what tempts you and what's in your closet so different from somebody else. You may find out it's the same, but it's still sin. And you've got to get it out of the closet. How often? Every day. That's your battle. Every day we got up to go to war. Well, Pastor... How do I war with my own flesh? How do I do that? Where, where am I going to get the ammunition? Where am I going to get the knife? Where am I going to get the, the jacuzzi? Bazooka. Okay? We don't want to put it in the jacuzzi. Okay? We're not trying to warm it up. All right? We're trying to drown it. That's good. That was a good illustration after a while. Get it in the jacuzzi and drown it. Okay? Bill, if you can cut that part out, I'd appreciate But we understand what we're talking about, don't we? Yeah. We have to put it to death every day. And we have to put on our new clothes. That's what he talks about in verse 10. That's what that word put on means. It means to slide in the clothes of. And these clothes are of this compassionate heart and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and it's sliding in the clothes of bearing with one another and forgiving one another. All of these are the clothes in which the Lord has designed for us. Well, I can't forgive. You're right. You can't. I can't defeat this lust of my flesh. You're right. You can't. But God can. Yes. And God will assist you, and God will help you. How? What's my ammunition? What do I do, Pastor, to, to, to get this? I, I gird up my loins. Look at verse 15 or 14. Here we go. We've got this robe on that's made of compassionate hearts and kindness, and we're about to cinch it up. In verse 14, and above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony wow it means to cinch up the belt you could use the word girdle something that holds it all together a belt that pulls it together it's, it's other places it's gird up your loins what holds us all together what holds us compassionate heart and kindness? What holds us forbearing and forgiving? What holds that together? Love does. Kind of love. Agapao. Self-sacrificing love. It's not about you. Mm. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have... Love one for another. 
You'll never experience the compassion for people. Bearing with them, forgiving them. You'll never experience that kind of compassion for people until you love them. Then you can express kindness and humility and meekness and forbearance and forgiveness. If there's no love holding it all together, all you have is a list of legalism and moral attitudes. That's all you got. It's a wish list. And we find in Galatians 5 verse 2 that the fruit of the Spirit is verse 1, love. You walk in the Spirit, He produces love. You can't generate it. Love is the spirit of self-sacrifice that only the Spirit of God produces in your life only when you walk with Him, end quote. Where does it come from? How do I get it? Because, Pastor, I'm really having problems. You don't know the person who's offended me. You don't know, you know, you don't know the person. You don't know the history. Right, I don't. There's no exception in the text. You're to love them. When God's saying to his pastor, I'm having problems loving my wife, will you love her? That's self-sacrifice. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. I can't do it. Okay, that's agapology. You're to love her as, as a friend. He said, I can't do that. Well, you're going to have to love her as an enemy. Mm. And he said, you're not going to let me off of this, are you? Said, no, the Bible's not. Don't care what they are. You're to love them. Where does that love come from? It comes from Him. You're telling me that I must forbear and forgive? Yeah. It's love for people. And we're going to find in a minute, it's a love for God. You love Him above all else. And you want to please Him. You don't want to bring grief to him. Making these the priority and the passion of our of our flesh. And he gives us how we can do this. How does all of this get tied together? How can I have this kind of compassionate heart? How can I, we can even go back to verse five? How can I put all that off? How can I put that all to death? Sexual immorality, impurity, you don't understand. All my life has been lived in evil desires. And Christ is forgiving me, but I'm still struggling with that. What's the, how do I get out of this? How do I put away anger and wrath? I lived under that. My mom and dad, they fought like cats and dogs. It's the only way I know. and It's the only way I know how to speak to my wife. You're not to speak that way. How do I do this? This is so ingrained. How do I put away wrangler and wrath and slander and obscene talk through my mouth? How do I stop lying? He gives it to you in verses 15 through 17. Here's how we do it. And let the peace of Christ rule. 
in your hearts to which you will want you were called in one body and be thankful. Here's the first priority of us is that we we are after the peace of Christ. The word rule means to umpire. It means to make the call. How? What do I do? In this situation, I let the peace of Christ make the call of what my response is to be. Hmm. Now peace, to the Greek mind, was an agreement. It was a pact. It was a treaty. It was a bond. To the Hebrew mind, however, it was peace. It was rest. It was security. One is a contract that I have someone that was once an enemy. I now have a peace treaty with them. The other one is peace. What we consider peace. Rest, comfort, the absence of turmoil. Can I put it that way? Okay. Well, which is it? Yeah, I think that's it. My wife's been with me long enough. She knows my answers. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's both. When we come to Christ, He makes a pact with us. He makes a truce with us. We, through His death, burial, and resurrection, are no longer enemies of God, but now children of God. I'm no longer an enemy. I'm a child of King. At Calvary, Jesus wrote this treaty, this new covenant. I, I am at peace with you. I, I, I am at peace with Christ. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor that we're to put on. And it says, And the shoes of your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In a situation, let it, be, let it be upon your mind and make the consideration that now I am on the Lord's side. I'm no longer a slave of sin. I'm no longer a slave of Satan. I have a treaty with God. I am one of His. My name is written in the book. That's my identity. That's who I am. I'm a new creature now. I belong to the Lord. Act in accordance to your position. Be imitators of God as dear children, it says, right? Okay? We're to act like that. We're on His side. My mother used to say when I would leave the house, remember whose you are and who you belong to. And she wasn't talking about T.M. Johnson and Alice Johnson. She was talking about who I was in Christ. Yes. Remember whose you are and who you belong to. Yes. Now go out like, like a fool. No. Go out under that banner. Yes. Remember whose I am and who I belong to and who I represent. Mm My relation with Christ, my oneness with Him, my unity with Him, my peace with Him be the determining factor in all I do. 
I belong to the king. I represent him. I am an ambassador for Christ, of Christ. But there is an issue that peace is an inner rest, an inner calm. The umpire that the decision is going to be will... Will this, will this action that I'm about to do steal peace from my soul? Will I be in the realm of needing forgiveness? If I do it, I'm going to lose the peace of the Lord? That I... This state of being, this state of experience. I don't know what to do sometimes. Let this be the umpire. You belong to the king and you don't want to lose the peace that you have in your heart. You ever, you ever said something to somebody and you knew when you said it by the expression in their face you had just hurt them tremendously? If you're married, you've done it 500 times. And there is nothing worse than seeing that upon the face of the people that you love. I've hurt my girls at times. And to see the hurt that comes across their face, oh, man, take me out and beat me with a stick. I'd rather have that. I remember I said one, something one time and the expression of my dad's face just went. Remember Peter? Mm. Peter's impulsiveness. I'll never forsake you. And Peter, you'll 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 forsake me how many times? Three times. Before the rooster crows. And I should have looked up the reference, I didn't, but one of the accounts of those, maybe John's account. And the third time he did it, he turned. And who was staring at him? Jesus was. Can you imagine the hurt on Christ's face? That's it. Is Christ pleased? Am I letting the peace of God, my treaty with Him, who I am, who I represent, make the call? Am I, am, I, am I so in love with Him and wanting His approval and I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit that I will say, Holy Spirit, you make the call. That's what He says. And this peace of God rules. It, it umpires. Well, what I'm about to do offend Christ? I have to put it this way. How will I feel afterwards? And this is a high calling. To rule your hearts to which you indeed you were called into one body. Together. You represent Christ here to each other. How we live our lives affect us here. That's the other thing with this peace. Man, when you sin, it's not just 
this relationship and this relationship I feel in my heart, this relationship gets yeah. torn all to pieces. called into one body and then it says and be thankful thanking the Lord for everything yeah. all that the Lord has blessed us with you all know Psalm 103 if you don't you can go there Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 we learned this at the breakfast table at my home bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What were they? Are they? Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeemed your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good things so that your strength is renewed like eagles? Don't forget those. Be thankful. Well, that's the first thing. That's peace of God rules. Secondly, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. He said it twice now, hasn't he? Be thankful. And now he says it again, be thankful with thanksgiving. And don't miss it. Verse 17, he gives it again. The trifecta. Be thankful. But the word of Christ to dwell. Not only the peace of Christ to rule, to umpire, but this word of Christ to dwell. What does that mean? To be at home. To reside. By the way, it's not a visitor. Visitors come and go. My mother used to say about I, I was the youngest, and so by the time I'm, I'm I was an uncle when I was in the third grade. Okay, so now my brothers and sisters are coming with their grandkids, and this it's it. And the house that we lived in was I look back at it now, and it's about the size of my thumb. But it, it, I doubt it was 11, 1,200 square feet. One bathroom, and by the way, it had a louvered door on it. <laughs> you can check your whatever at the door. Because this louvered door, and you could see through the cracks in it, okay? You had to go in and turn the spigot on. You know what I mean? To make noise, all right? One bathroom. Six people living in the house I was growing up. Two bedrooms. If you can call them that, like closets now. All right? What did I tell you all that? Oh, yeah, grandchildren. And they'd come on Friday night, Saturday. I remember my mama standing there, and we'd hug and see them driving out, and mama goes, I love brake lights. <laughs> she said, I love them twice. It's good to see them come. It's good to see them go. All right? It can't be the Word of God like that. It can't be bringing in the Word of God when you want to and watching it leave when you don't. He lives with you. It lives in you. 
word dwell again catches not only living, but it's at home. You know, I spent 84 straight days in Florida. So much that my wife has words for Florida that we can't say. And, you know, sometimes it's fun to stay in a hotel, isn't it? You know, you go stay and people make you bed. I'm telling you what, the candy gets off that, that piece of candy after 84 days. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing about it. that It's terrible. I've eaten enough boiled eggs in my life and, and, and bagels. That's it. That's all they had downstairs. And you think, great, stay in there two days. Oh, look at this. It's got cereal. Stay 84 days and eat it. I remember coming home. I cried all the way home. I was going home. There ain't no place like home. Joy going out visit, but ain't no place like home. That's the word. The word of Christ is at home in you, in us. It's not a stranger. It's living there. And all these virtues, these fruit, all these demands that the Word of God demands of you, He gives you through His Word while it dwells with you. Right? And it says, dwells in you richly, abundantly. The word is jammed full. Filled up to the brim. Somebody cut you, you bleed Bible. You ever amazed at some people's knowledge of the Scriptures? I am. I've, I've, I've discovered, I remember coming out of seminary and stuff and coming out of school and thinking I knew something and I meet some old dear saying the Lord can quote volumes of books. And I'm thinking, wow. But I've discovered something about that that's much like young married couples when they get married and try to acquire in two years what's taken mom and dad 20 years to acquire. And you think, oh, when I've been seminary, I've done this, and I know all that some 70-year-old guy knows. You don't know squat. The reason people know the Word like they know it is because it dwells with them. It resides in them. It's taken root in them. It's at home in them. We feed on it. And then, when you mix that with faith to obey, when we believe it, and we live it out, when I put those things in action, it magnifies, it produces all of these elements in my life that I didn't think I had. It turns my heart into a compassionate heart. It, it turns my, my heart into, into kindness and humility. And then we get proud that we got it. And then we lose it. Right? And meekness. 
and patience. You see, when, when those are in a person's life, look at the list again. Kindness, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And what's that person got to do? He's got to bear with one another. See? It's not the bearing first. It's not the forgiving first. It's all of those other things first. Well, how do I, Pastor, how do I do that? How, you want the Word of Christ to dwell in me richly. You want it teaching, and I, I'm not even going to get to this part today, I don't think. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in my heart. How, how am I to get the Word of God like that in me? Well, I wish there was a pill that you could swallow. I wish there was an app that you could put on your phone. In fact, there is. But I've discovered it just stays on your phone. Yes. Yes. Okay? I got Bible apps. There's a program out there called Logos. And it's a tremendous resource if you can spend $20 million on it and get the gold edition. All sorts of commentaries. That, you know, you know, I'm old. I like one of these in yes. my hand. Yes. Okay? That's why I buy books. I'll read some. I, I do all my exegetical work, Greek work, online, because I don't want to go look it up and bring out my Greek lexicon. And all that. I, man, praise the Lord for computers, and I can, I can do that. But there is no shortcut to the Scriptures. Right. you got to read it. Daily. You, you, you've got you got to hate your sin. Listen, hate your sin so much and hate what your old life was so much and you want Christ to be magnified in your life so much that you're going to pour it in this book because He told me in here He's given me everything that's yeah. 100% term. Everything I need for life and godliness is right there. And we've got people writing books who say, I want more. No, you don't. You're not satisfied with what he's given you. Yeah. you. Or you don't like what he said. It's probably a better statement. A little serious Jesus calling. He already called. Yes. He's already given us a book. Read it. Study it. Study it. What do words mean? If you don't know how to how to look up on an interlinear in an interlinear book, I can give you an app for that. You can look it up, and and you can do what I do. What we do, we take words apart and say, "Oh, I, that word means so much," and it does. There's so much more that's uncovered when you get below the surface of the word, but it takes work to dig in all that, Pastor. If I it's taking you six years to get through Colossians. You got something else to do? <laughs> I think Matt sent me that thing this week about the gopher or whatever it was. Groundhog that came out and saw his shadow in six more weeks or whatever. It said preacher came out and saw his shadow six more weeks of whatever he studied. And I said, Jonathan's at six more years. Yeah. Right? 
Someone asked MacArthur that, man, if I do what you're doing, it take me a lifetime. You got something to do? You got something else to do? That's what you've been called to do, preach the whole counsel of God. And it's slow. And it's irritating. And it's convicting. But that's how the Word of God, Christ, gets in me richly. MacArthur gives four things that we have to do to do this. According to Matthew 13, verse 9, we have to heed it. Let him who has ears, let him hear. It's not just reading it for information. It's reading it for transformation. We can get information. I'm glad to discover things in the Scriptures. That's wonderful. But I don't care whether they discover Noah's Ark or not. Right. Right. I don't need Noah's Ark to tell me what this is. I don't care. Why? I, I just, I'm, I'm simple, dude. If he, did, if he didn't write it down, he didn't want me to know it. Yes. And I got enough problems understanding what he wants me to know, much less trying to figure out the secret code of the Bible. There is no secret code. It's Christ in me, my hope of glory. Right? Matthew 13, verse 9, you've got to heed it. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, you've got to handle it. Take it in your hands. You've got to mark it. If you've got a Bible that you don't mark, let me know because I'll give you another one. You need one, you can just mark it up. Yes. There's Philippians. It's the only way I know how to do it. If you can study without marking, hallelujah. <laughs> you ever seen Alan's, Alan's notes? I mean, he's color-coded. Pink and blue and orange and I could barely get through yellow. Okay, you don't have to do it like I do it, but you do got to handle it. It's what we want to teach the guys in Africa. Not just rejoice we got a Bible, but how how do we read it, yes. Pastor Bob? How how do we handle it? How to handle it correctly? Yes, yes. Okay. How to Psalm 119, verse 11, hide it in my heart. Becomes my defense towards that booger man in the closet. That pet sin that I keep in there that I have to go to war with every day. And I hate his guts. Philippians 2, verse 16. You got to hold it forth. Spend your life studying it. The interesting thing, if we compare this with Ephesians, go back to Ephesians 5 just a minute. Ephesians 5, I'm almost done. Ephesians 5, which means nothing. Ephesians 5, look at verse 18 and following. And be not drunk with wine, we're in debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. See that? Okay. And the next two verses are just about identical to what he gives us in the Word of Christ dwelling in me richly. Hmm. 
What does that mean? I think being filled with the Spirit has the same response as being dominated by the Word. Yes. Which means being dominated by the Word is being filled with the Spirit. Right? He is in my heart and in my mind. I'm under His control. The Word of God is just now a part of me. It saturates me. And I am walking in the Spirit of God. He teaches me. That's where we're going to stop. But I do have some questions. Don't put your pens down yet. And I want you to write this down for your own sake. I want you to ask yourself some questions. Does it? Is the peace, the peace of Christ umpiring in your life? Is the word of Christ dwelling in you richly? Is it? Does the Word of Christ so fill your life that you're filled with the Spirit of God and you walk in obedience to the Word? You can just write it that way. Am I walking in obedience to the Word? You know how to have a compassionate heart and kindness? All that listing, forbearing, and forgiving it's when the word of Christ dominates you and me here's the harder questions are you harboring sin and I put parentheses in your closet because we like to keep it out of sight we think nobody can see it need to put on your computers not like it will stop you the Lord sees all yes. or my mom did I will set no evil thing before mine eyes but you know what it's like a stop sign at the end of the road right mm. we have a problem in our neighborhood people going too fast so 25 zone and their solution some of the solution is to lower the speed They're not going 25 now. What does it help to lower it to 20? Yes. Okay. Are you harboring sin? Are you holding on to your sin, making it a hidden guest? Keep it around, you feed it, you nurture it. I did. I did my bitterness. I knew I should have gotten rid of it. But I, I like to pretend that I, I was I was justified. I did no wrong. Are you walking in the Word? Do you have that Bible belt? I'm going to just sort of not in necessary order. Do you have that belt of love on that binds it all together? You learn how to love people. 
You see people as Christ sees people. Is the peace of Christ umpiring your life? Are you asking that question, these, these decisions that you're making, will it bring grief to my Savior? Will it bring peace? Or will it destroy the peace that I have in my own heart? Is the Word of Christ living as a welcome inhabitant in your life? You're not the only one who can answer this. And not just a welcome inhabitant, but this Word of Christ, it's richly in you. Your life is jammed full. As I said, if somebody cuts you, you'll bleed Bible. Believers, is that you? Is that me? Hey, I, I found out that you can stand up here and preach and those things not be true. I, I've approached at times this book like a textbook and i got to figure out what the next word says and what the next thing says and, and I'm up here to dish out information. No. It's not the call of the preacher. The call of the preacher is to see lives transformed and confront people with truth. I tell you, I had to get tired of my sin until I went to war. Some of you haven't done that yet. You're still feeding it. I think you're still justified in it. You're not. Let's pray. Lord, you have wrestled this in me for the last two weeks and longer. Confronted me of my own closet. And Father, I thank you for the convicting power of your word. Thank you for loving me enough to not leave me alone. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens. Treats us as sons. You know, Lord, how long, how much we long for the for the peace, the peace of Christ. That we look at the list, Lord, that's that's the part we all want. We want the peace. We're haunted by in the closet can't live in peace can't live in peace in our own mind the peace of Christ has got to be umpiring it's going to be calling the shots and any decision I make 
means that I determine, is this going to bring reproach upon my Savior? Is it going to rob me of the peace that I have with the Lord? Lord, call the shots. And then, Father, the Word of Christ dwelling, living, bubbling over, jam-packed in my life. Is that me? Am I being transformed by the renewing of my mind that I may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Is it taking root? Am I living in obedience or am I just playing the game? Father, I pray for the one or the two or the many here that do not know Thee as Lord and Savior, treasure of our life. They're looking, they don't have a clue what we're talking about. There's no peace in them. The wrath of God still bides upon them. Father, I pray today would be the end of their wrestling with you. Father, that you would awaken them from the dead today. Grant them faith and repentance. Give them new life. May they see you as you really are. And Father, may we as believers live out the life that you've called us to. We look more like you every day and less like our old self. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.